let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we welcome you, your spirit, into this place. It is so good to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Been looking forward to this moment for years, Lord, and just seeing it um, come to fruition this way is, is beautiful, and we honor you and we love you. We know that this is your church. We are your church, um, and we want to do our best to honor you, represent you, um, and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, and I would really be remiss to not mention Chase and JoJo coming with me. Um, these guys are two of our finest um, in our church. And Chase has left. He's, his wife's going to kill him. Um, his wife, they have a three-year-old, and he is the most active three-year-old you've ever seen in your life. And then they've got a seven-month-old. And we just found out recently that she's pregnant with her third child. So Chase is here and his wife is not. So she, she is probably going to be happy to see him and kill him all at the same time. But these young men are fantastic. Um, say hi to Jojo, not Chase, especially if you're single, lady, young, all of that. That'd be fantastic. Okay. Let's start with something really light this morning. Okay. Let's start with something really, really light. Um, have you ever thought about eternity? That was a joke. So you got, you, have you ever thought about eternity? Like, have you ever laid in bed late at night and your mind is spinning and it's racing and you start trying to figure out eternity, not necessarily what heaven is going to be like, but how long eternity is, right? And you're trying to make, capture in your head, like, okay, so forever is like a really long time. And then when I get to a really long time, it's forever more. And then when I get there, we just keep going and going and going. I've spun in circles over the years trying to think, figure out eternity, just trying to capture this thought about what this is all about and my mind spins and I end up getting myself just ridiculously nauseous because it can't be figured out. It's not something that we can figure out, but we try to figure it out. We're kind of these people that are, are space driven people where you even, even the word space, it's like this, it, there, there's confines, there's boundaries to it where there's a beginning and an end. We ha- all have a date of birth, right? We have a date of birth that we know, but we don't know our date of death, but we know it's coming. There, there's a finality to it. So we got a date of birth. We've got a date of death. We've got, when we go to work in the morning, we've got eight o'clock. We know we're going to punch in. We're going to start. And then we know that we're going to clock out at five. So there's a beginning and there's an end. When we read a book, we know there's page one and there's page 213. I told my wife just the other day, the thing that drives me most, the nuts, drives me nuts the most about books is when they start on like page eight. Anybody? Like, why do they do that? It's like all these Roman numerals and all of a sudden we're on page eight. I'm like, no, we're on page one. Let's start right there. So there's page one, there's page 213. We get that. But when we try to think about no boundaries at all, that it's just eternal, all of a sudden our mind is absolutely blown. So we think about this, we, th- we think about we're in this point of time and there's an eternity coming, there's eternity yet to come that we will all live in one of two places, right? And I'll let Grant talk about the heaven and hell thing, but we've got all this space coming that's endless and it's, it, there's no boundaries to it. It's going to happen and it's going to happen forever. It's timeless. And I'll sit in my bed and I'll try to think through this, what that means and what that looks like, what that tastes like, all of it just getting it in my mind. And as soon as I think, okay, I don't get it, but I kind of get it. As soon as I get that, my mind goes, but wait, there was an eternity before we got here. Then my mind is just absolutely blown. Like, okay, there's an eternity to come. And and here I am in this small little gap. But somehow we got here with an eternity before. How did we get here if there was an eternity before? Is this just, it sounds like I'm on too many drugs this morning and it just doesn't make sense at all. But think about this. There's an eternity before, there's an eternity after. And here we are in this little gap. This little window that we've been given in, we don't know how many years it is. We know the date of birth. We don't know the end of, of, of all of it, but we're in this tiny little gap and this tiny little gap determines where we're going to spend the rest of forever. So it's an important gap. 
It's a really, really vital gap because it determines where we're going to spend forever. Now, when we think about eternity, one of the thoughts here is this thought um, that our eternal clock has begun. Like, when we think about eternity, we think that once we die here, eternity begins. Like, this is going to end, and eternity is going to begin in the moment that we die. And I want to kind of reframe that a little bit. I think the moment you were conceived, your eternity began. Like, you're in a chapter right now that will end, but this chapter, the minute you die here, eternity just continues. So now all of us that are breathing and living and in this room, our eternity has already begun. It's not that it's going to begin when we're 81 years old and we die of a heart attack or something like that, okay? It's that our eternity has already begun, but this chapter right here is really, really important. I say all of this. All of this leads to this. I'm one that if I can't figure out what's going on, I at least want to know why it's going on. Why? What's the purpose in things? Anybody else in here nosy? I'm a really snoopy person. I want to know the why. I want to know why they're doing that. I think Grant referred last week to the widow's mite, the story of the widow's mite, where Jesus is watching this old lady give a little mite, a, a, a little token or a little bit of money, all she had. It was not a little bit to her. It was everything she had. She dropped it in the offering bucket. And Jesus is in the back snooping. Jesus is watching. I love that. I didn't even thought about that till last night. I'm like, Jesus was nosy. So that's really cool. When you're a kid watching people put money in the offering, were you ever like, I wonder what they're doing? No, just, just me and Jesus. Cool. That's how I identify with him. So here we are. And, and I'm nosy. I want to know the why be, behind the what. I want to know the why behind the what. So we've got this eternity before us. We've got this eternity after us. And here we are stuck in this middle spot, this sweet spot that we only get once. And it's a messy spot, right? And it's painful. And it hurts. There's good times, but there's a whole lot of pain. And I want to know, in the middle of all this, what's the why? Why am I here? What, what is the purpose of everything that I am doing here? What is my purpose in life? And I knew coming to Harbor City, I knew you guys were relatively young, and some of you guys can identify with me. We're not millennials. We're older than that. But even us that are older than millennials, we're asking the question all the time, what is my purpose? What's my purpose in life? What's the purpose in this situation? What's the purpose in this victory? What's the purpose in this defeat? What's the purpose in this struggle? If anything, we might not ask it like, what's the purpose? We might just say, why? It might be a question to God. Why are you doing what you are doing? And so today, I want to answer that. It's probably one of the biggest questions that we can answer scripturally. When we go throughout scriptures, what does God say everything is about? What is your purpose? Because you might be looking at it going, hey, should I go to university? Should I date this dude? Should I check out JoJo after the service? <laughs> should I eat this place? Should I, should I do this profession? Should we have children? What, what, all these different questions of, of what should I do? And I want to talk today, and I want to speak to that scripturally, of what's your why? What, what is our purpose in what we are doing? And it's really simple. It's two words, and I have a whole bunch of things I could fill in and say, maybe we thought it was this. It's to make the world a better place. Or maybe the purposes of God is God's grace. Maybe the purposes of God is God's salvation. All these things are good answers, but are those the ultimate answer? Was God's ultimate answer salvation? Did he create the world for salvation? Well, I don't think he did because there was no salvation needed at the very beginning, right? So what is God's purpose in everything? And it's two words, two simple words, God's glory. God's glory. The end, let's pray. Let's go back to America. You're dismissed. God's glory. Now, if you guys, I don't know how many, I don't know your stories. You, you know a little bit of mine. You've had three minutes of my story. But I grew up in a charismatic church. Okay, Pentecostal church, um, a little bit emotional church, hyper church. And the context of the term glory, specifically God's glory, was never defined for us. Anybody in here ever have the term God's glory defined for you as a child? 
We are in a Pentecostal church, and here's how I was introduced to God's glory. And this is all I knew of it until I was about 25 years old. I'm hearing the term God's glory only in this context where the preacher would get up, and it's the preacher, okay? It's not the speaker. It's not Tom. It's preacher. And he's got a suit on. He looks like Grant in Russia, except he has a tie. And he's sweating profusely. He's using a handheld microphone, and he's all over the place. And the louder he gets, the louder you get. That's your job, right? I've heard Grant does that. You want me to speak well? You speak back to me. Something like that. So he's getting loud. He's getting fired up. You can tell he's getting fired up because the microphone's out here because he's screaming. And if you affirm what the preacher is saying, you would shout out one word. I don't know if you do it in South Africa. We do it in America in the Pentecostal church. We would shout out the word glory. But we would do it with this roll, this, this throat guttural thing. Glory. Anybody? Or is that just so, hey, hey, you're saying something good that I, and here's the problem I had with it as a child. Now, I, I am a why guy. I always want to know the why. And I'm looking at it going, I don't even know what he said. You have no clue what he said. He's just in his introduction. He said three words and you're already shouting glory to him. And I'm looking at it as a child going, okay, the word glory means I agree with you. Right? I affirm you. You say, thank you. No, it's glory. It's not, yeah. Come on, come on, Nate. And I thought a doctor would know that. It's glory. You, you agree with me. It's glory. And it's guttural. It's from your soul. It's everything. Glory. I, I, I agree with you. I affirm you. And I'm a little kid that lives in the northern part of the United States. I live in Michigan. Very conservative place. When I walk the streets, I never hear somebody talking and say, oh, you know what? I agree with that person. Glory. Or we're over, we're having tea or we don't do tea. I don't know why I said that. We don't do that. We're eating pizza and ice cream and getting large. And so we're talking to that. We're doing, we're doing all this stuff. And they say something about our president. I'm like, Hey, glory. So you probably have a lot of opinions about our president. And I would probably affirm you and say glory, but I would do a gut. Nobody does that. And that's all I knew about God's glory was this term of affirmation and what an abuse to the most important topic outside of Jesus Christ himself in the entire scripture. God's glory. What is God's glory? If you have your Bibles, will you flip with me over to Isaiah? How do you, how do you, you say it so wonderfully? Isaiah? Isaiah? Oh my gosh. American accents are terrible. Chase's is cool because he's from the South. But the rest of us sound horrible. Um, Isaiah chapter 6. Glory. <laughs> Weird place to affirm me. Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3, this is what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Those of you guys that grew up on like um, Maranatha music in the 80s, you're like, you're singing songs in your head right now. I'm not going to bore you with my singing. Okay, so the train of his robe filled the temple. So this is, this is God Almighty in heaven. So this is what the vision is coming um, to Isaiah. Um, that's really bad. I'm going to stop doing that. That's offensive. Uh, so the word has come to Isaiah. He's seen God in his throne. This is what is happening. Above God stood the seraphim, which are angels. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another. So one seraphim says to the other seraphim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And then in Revelation 4, Revelation 4, John um, refers back to Isaiah and he expands on this vision that Isaiah gets. And John gets it a little bit more detailed. And John says there's these angels around God's throne and they're speaking to each other and they're speaking to God and they're declaring this. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth is filled with his glory. 
And really, you got to capture what's going on here. Don't just think angelic and mystical and weird and Da Vinci Code type stuff and all of this. Let's think about what's really going on here. There's one angel looking at the throne of heaven, looking at God, and at the same time talking to the other angel. And Revelations is expanding it, saying, no, there weren't just two angels. There was a multitude of angels. There's a bunch of them. They're all different. They're all unique. They have their own personalities, their own identity, but they're all saying the same thing. So one angel's looking at the other angel going, no, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And then this guy over here is like, oh yeah? You know what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth, get this, is filled with His glory. When I read this and I started thinking through this, my mind, I, this is probably not very Christian of me, but my mind immediately went to the movie, Eminem's movie, Eight Mile. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. It was on your telly not television, your telly the other night. I couldn't sleep the other night flipping through the channels. So it was either 27 channels of charismatic preaching. You guys have a lot of religious channels on your television. Um, or Eminem. And I, it used to be one of my favorite movies. Eminem is from my home state. He's from Detroit, Michigan. I'm from Midland, Michigan. We are nothing alike. Nothing. But in 8 Mile, if you haven't seen 8 Mile, it's a, it's a rap battle contest, okay? So it's, it's all these guys having different rap battles and ultimately B-Rabbit, Eminem, wins this thing. And I'm thinking to myself, they're having this competition where they're just freestyling back and forth and trying to one-up each other. You say something, then I'm going to say something to kind of beat that. I'm, I'm going to go one-up on you. And so I'm seeing these angels like Eminem and the bad guy from, or another good guy, we got to go good guy, um, in the angelic beings going, and they're holding the mic like this, yo, yo, <laughs> kick the beat, kick the beat. Holy, 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 it's the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth, I am so white, the whole earth is filled <laughs> with his glory, <laughs> chases the glory, thank you. And this guy's like, no, dude, no, 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 my turn. Yo, kick a funkier beat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Okay, that is done. So think about this. We're going through this. We're having this battle. And here's the thing. These angels. So Isaiah's talking about two of them. John in Revelation is saying there's multitudes of them, different ones. And they're saying the same sentence, even though they are different people or different beings, different individuals. They're saying the exact same thing. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now, how long are they saying that? Forever. So into eternity, they're going to be saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And for those of us that grew up in Christian homes as kids, we're like, is that what we're going to have to do in eternity? Is this what heaven looks like? No, that's their job. That's their job. Okay? But here's the thing. Forward thinking, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Holy Spirit fills the glory. So eternally, they will be doing that. Right now, that's what they're doing while we're doing this. And eternally, forever in our rearview mirror, that's what they've been doing. And Chase says this all the time in our services when he's leading worship. He'll speak to this, um, these beautiful scriptures that say, we have been invited to join right now in this moment, when we were singing these songs up here today, we were invited to join those angels in heaven declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Now what has always confused me about this text is why does it say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? And then it doesn't say, the whole earth is filled with His holiness. That makes way more sense, right? If He is holy, then why doesn't he fill the whole earth with his holiness? Why does it say, why did, or why doesn't it say glory, glory, glory is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. So we, we have to define for us. We have to understand what glory is. Or to do that, we need to understand what holiness is. 
Holiness is perfection. It's God. It's His being. He is the only one who is perfectly holy. And through His Son, Jesus, He can make us holy. But this is His condition. This is His state of being. This is who God is. Now, on the other side of that comes glory. Glory is the expression. Glory is the radiance of God's glory. It's the vehicle by which His holiness is represented to all of His creation. People who are much smarter than I define it like this. John Piper says it like this. He says, the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. That's beautiful, but I have no idea what that means. Right? He's so smart. Louis Giglio dumbs it down a little bit for us. He says, the glory of God is the sum of God's magnificent attributes and the eternal fame of his mysterious works. So it's everything that is God. And then it's the expression of who God is. Think of it like the sun. This is God's glory for dummies. This is for me. Okay, so this is my, my manual. You think about it with the sun. The sun is the sun. The sun is the one that has the source and the power of our heat and everything that we need to survive here on planet Earth. But the rays are the expression of that sun. That's what God's glory is. God's glory is an expression of who he is. And so why, why does that matter to us? Is it, why, why is that important to us at all? Here's why, and I don't have time to go through this. I can send Grant scriptures and you can look at them yourself. There's probably 50 to 100 minimum scriptures throughout the Bible that say the purpose of God, the purpose of God's creation was simply God's glory. Everything, every single thing that was created was created for his glory. The universe was created for his glory. As expansive as an infinite as it is, it was created for his glory. Solar systems, galaxies, the Milky Way galaxy was created for his glory. The earth was created for his glory. All the quirks about earth, all these different continents, all these countries, and on these countries you have different landscapes. You have mountains and you have rivers. You have valleys. You have cows. You have puppies. You have giraffes. I saw a giraffe the other day. Aren't you proud of me? It's really cool. We don't have giraffes except in Disney, so it was really cool seeing them in their natural habitat. And you know what they were doing? They were bringing glory to God because that's their job. And so all of this, the grass, everything, is, is, is bringing glory to God. And here's the beautiful part. Here's the good news because the bad news comes right after it. So hold on to this good news. When God created us in the form of Adam and Eve a long time ago, we were the ultimate glory statement for him. I don't know what this is in metric. I've told everybody we should start learning metric. We should get with the system. But five foot eight inch human being, average five foot eight human being, We are the paramount. We are the apple of God's eye because we are created in his image. Not to be God, not to pretend to be God, but to reflect God in all things. His purpose is, and you might have heard other people say this, his purpose is that when creation looks at us at the very beginning, in our perfected state, when creation looks at us, they should have done a double take thinking, oh, I just saw God. Because we were reflecting him so well. We weren't God, but we were reflecting him so well. That is our purpose, is to bring glory to God. Everything that has been created was created for his glory. You don't believe me. Psalm 19, chapter 1, or chapter 19, verse 1 says, For the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the works of his hands. So if you need to know the glory of God, just look up. I'm looking out at the Indian Ocean every morning when I wake up, and y'all have a straight up gangster ocean. Ours is timid and shy. And it's it, murky, and yours is powerful. And I'm looking like, that's God. Jojo and I tried running in your wind yesterday. <laughs> we ran one direction, and we're like, oh, this is the easiest place in the world to run because the wind's against our back, and we're like flying. Then we turned around, and we're like, I can't move. It's like going through quicksand. God did that. 
The winds were declaring the glory of God. The oceans declaring the glory of God. And in the middle of it is us. The ones who are supposed to be declaring the glory of God the most. And then great-grandpa and great-grandma Eve, great-grandpa Adam and great-grandma Eve, they blew it for all of us. How many of you guys are looking forward to getting to heaven? Anybody? I've got a couple stops when I get there. Um, hopefully Jesus, I mean, if it works out the way it does in the movies, first of all, I'm going to say hi to Jesus. Um, I'm going to be in line be, behind the potters. I would really like to say hi to John. Jeez, John, it's so good to see you. I can't wait to hug him. There's things I want to do. And then when I'm done with all the happy things, I'm going straight to Adam and Eve and punching him in the throat. Like, man, you ruined it for all of us. Do you know how hard my life was? It was because you just wanted a piece of fruit. How selfish of you. God's glory was being represented the most in those two unique individuals in absolute perfection. Everything was declaring the glory of God. And these guys said this. It, it, you know it's not about an apple, right? It wasn't about a tree. It wasn't about a fruit. It was about glory. They didn't like that God was getting the glory and they wanted it for themselves. Don't start pointing fingers like I just did at Adam and Eve because you do it every day as well and so do I. Constantly, every single day, the temptation, the battle is for, am I going to give God glory with my life or is it going to be my glory? Who's getting the glory with my day? So Adam and Eve screw it all up. They eat the, eat the apple and, or the fruit and all of a sudden, the world is corrupted. All of a sudden, sin is entered into the world. And all of a sudden, there's this dark spot. There's this blemish on God's perfect creation where now His glory has been hijacked by a traitor race. The drafts didn't do it. Mercury didn't do it. Another solar system didn't do it. Five foot eight inch humanity who was created in his image was the one who said, I want what he has. I don't want him getting the glory. I want it. And God says, I won't have that. I've always thought of this. I'm like, what were God's options in that moment? Because as a leader, I want to know what my options are. If my people Screw up. What, what are my options? God had three options in that moment when Adam and Eve screwed up. Number one, he could push the smite button, this big red button, say, boom, done, do over. Right? Wiping them off the face of the canvas. I'm going to redeem my glory by just getting rid of them. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Number two, he could have ignored us. He just said, ah, just pretend it doesn't happen like a passive-aggressive God. Yeah, they, they didn't really do that. Just pretend that there's no sin. But at the same time, if he does that, his glory is still being hijacked. He could have smited us and wiped us off the planet or off the canvas. Or he could have ignored us. Or he could have done option three, the unthinkable. Redeem it. Redeem it. You see, this is where we start getting confused with what life is all about, what Jesus is all about. And hear me on this. This is important. Don't think that I'm a heretic and start pointing fingers at at, um, Grant when I get out of here. Salvation, the primary result of salvation, was not just for you to go to heaven and live eternally with God. That's a byproduct of it. It's a beautiful one. But ultimately, God was redeeming His glory by redeeming you and bringing you back to Himself. This blemish, this dark spot that had been created by Adam and Eve. And and like I said, if Adam and Eve didn't do it, I surely would have screwed it up. And then they would have all pointed at me. So Jesus comes, God says, okay, I can smite you, I can ignore you, or I can redeem you. And in his love, he chooses option three. That's insane. No, 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 you turned your back on me. You wanted to hijack my glory. But I love my glory so much, and I love you so much that I'm going to do the unthinkable. Jesus, my son, go to earth, live as one of them, suffer for them, die for them. Some will still reject you. 
but many will come to you. And when they do, my glory will be redeemed. That's beautiful. We have a benediction. We have a passage of scripture that we say every week at Orlando North. It's Romans 11.36. says these words. It says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It's a funny story. When we planted our church in 2007, January 7, 2007, so the date had to have been January 5, 2007, I decided to get my first tattoo. Mistake. Um, we talked to Jojo. He's getting a tattoo here on Tuesday before we get on the airplane. Thinks that's a good idea. Seems wise. Um, so we're going, on January 5, 2007, I get my first tattoo, and it was this verse. I go to this tattoo artist, downtown Orlando, a little sketchy place. It's late at night. I know nothing about tattoos, okay? Nothing. I don't know how much they cost. I don't know the process. I just show up with money, and I'm like, I want this verse on my arm. I want it to be about this big. Um, I want it to be in block letters. I want to say, for from him, through him, to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Simple tattoo, right? It's Not really. And so he takes the script or the stencil, and he puts it on my arm, and it starts here, and it's this big ribbon that wraps all the way around my arm. It goes all the way down to my elbow. And it's the stencil, so it's not permanent. I am such a weasel that I'm like, oh, it looks great. And it looks terrible. I'm like, oh, it'll only be on there for the rest of this chapter of my life. Nail it down. So they put it on, charge me a ridiculous amount of money, and all of a sudden I've got for from him, through him, to him, to him be the glory forever, written on my arm. And it's what was supposed to be this big is now half a sleeve. And it looks ridiculous because it's also in cursive. So I wanted block letters. It's in cursive. I didn't have enough guts to tell him that's not what I wanted. It's only my arm forever. So we get done. I'm like, that looks terrible. So we had to put in a cross and we ultimately had to put in a ribbon. So now I've got like this whole half sleeve and I look hardcore. And really, I just want a simple tattoo. Because this verse for me, that was much funnier as I thought through that. Um, this verse for me, this verse for me is my life verse because here, here, here's why I say that. I don't know what you think about life verses. But for me, this verse summarizes the entire Bible. You want to know what God is about. You want to know what Jesus and his, his, his death and resurrection is about. Do you want to know what the Old Testament about, is about and Revelation is about? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. This is legitimately it. This is what everything is about. There is nothing in life that is not about his glory. From him are all things. Through him are all things. To him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So if you're in here and you're going, should I go to university? What's God's purpose for my life? Do we stress about those questions? What should I do? Should I go here? Should I date him? Should I do this? We stress. We ask these things all the time. What should I do? What's God's calling? What's God's plan for my life? What is it? And we stress, stress, stress. I'm going to miss God's calling. Should I be a doctor? Should I date him? Should I go here for lunch? What should I do in the morning? What should I, and we're stressed out about all these what's, 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 what? Let me relax you. Let me chill you out for a minute. You've got one purpose on this planet, and that's to bring God glory in whatever you do. Isn't it Paul that says, whether in word or deed, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. It's not necessarily what you do. It's how you do it. It's the manner in which you are presenting yourself. Are you trying to get glory for yourself or are you trying to get glory for God? And we're so stressed out with what do I study? Who do I date? And he's like, just make sure the decision you make brings me glory and not you. Grant also referred to Matthew chapter 25 in this series about um, finances and money. And Matthew chapter 25 is the parable of the talents where the manager or the, the owner goes away and he leaves his money or his resources to three different 
stewards, three different servants. To one, he gives one amount of money or one talent. To another, he gives two. And to another, he gives five, right? You remember the story? And so these go, the guys go out and what long term, what happens is the guy with two and five, they go out and they double the master's money. And so when he comes back, he's like, well done, good and faithful servant. But the guy that only has one talent buried it and hid it because he didn't want to lose anything. He didn't want to risk anything. He was scared. And so the, the master's reaction to him was completely different. When I grew up reading that story, you know what that story meant to me? I want to be a five-talent person. I might be a one or a two, but I want to be a five. That's how I read it. That's the eyes of my own glory. It's about, it's about accumulation. It's about me building and being more successful so God can trust me with more. This story has nothing to do with how many talents you have. It's not about, um, do I have one, two, three, four, or five talents? It's about if you have one talent and you've been placed in this space, what are you doing with that one talent? If you have five talents and you've been placed in this space, you're not any more important than the one talent person. You've just been put in a designated five talent space. What are you doing with it? Are you trying to bring glory to yourself or are you trying to bring glory to God? Which is it? Let me read, and I'm going to close with this, Romans 11.33-36, the scripture that leads up to Romans 11.36, to our benediction. Here are the passages that lead up to this. This is Paul, and realize that Romans, the book of Romans, is filled with so much weighty material. Um, I told your deacons on Thursday night, our church right now is going through... Um, an 18-month series. So if you ever don't like one of Grant's series, just be thankful that they end in five or six weeks. Ours is going for 18 months. When I get back, we're jumping into Romans 7, and I think we've been going seven months, seven months strong. We've got a long way to go. Um, and in this, what we're finding is so heavy and so deep. You're talking about the depravity of man, the sinfulness of man. In other words, how much we stink because we screw up all the time. Then we see God's grace in light of how much we stink all the time. We see about justification and righteousness. We see about sanctification. We talk about, this is where I can't wait to get back and talk about predestination and election. If anybody would like to come cover for me during those, those weeks, I'd really appreciate it. So we got all of this stuff in, just in Romans. And we get to Romans 11 and Paul's like, man, everything I've taught you is so heavy. And you know what? I've been trying to make sense of God to you. I've been trying to explain God to you. You know what? Let me try one other way of explaining everything to you. Let me make a really big concept simple. And this is what he says in Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to God that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Listen to what he says. Paul's like, okay, here's, I'm trying to explain God. Everything is about God's glory. That's my point. I just want to get to God's glory. So let me, let me try to teach you something about God. As I'm explaining God, he starts with, oh, the depth and the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God is so big. He says, how unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable or unsearchable are his ways. This is Paul throwing his hands up in the air going, guys, I don't know how to explain him. He is so big. He is so massive. He is so powerful. I can do my best with words like righteousness and justification and faith and grace and depravity. I can throw all of that at you. But ultimately, there's this mystery to God that I will never be able to explain because he's so big. And by the way, if he was so little that we could define him and explain him, then he's not a God to be worshipped. Because you, as five foot eight humanity, have figured out your God. 
I don't want to serve a God that I've figured out. The mystery of God is what drives me to God. So this is what Paul's saying. Now, now he continues. How unsearchable are his judgment? How inscrutable are his ways? For who has known the mind of the Lord? Anybody figured that one out yet? Because if you do, let's talk afterwards. I'd really like to hear it. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Paul is saying, who has had God sit on his therapy couch and you tell God what to do? God's like, you know what, Rob? I could really use your advice in this situation. I know I'm God. And again, if he needs to come to me for counsel, he's not God. But every single day of my life, I point my finger at him and I tell him what to do. God, if you do not come through for me this way, if you do not answer this way, then I'm going to doubt you. It's like, who are you? Who are you? I created you for my glory. You didn't create me for yours. I created you as a statement of who I am. Verse 35, this one's fun when it comes to money. Or who has given a gift to God that he might be repaid? Oh, I have. I tithe. I tithe. I gave a gift to God. Now he owes me. Remember the whole pressed down, shaking together, running over? That's what it means, right? That's what I saw on your 27 channels the other night. That's what it meant on there. Isn't this what it means? Well, here's, here's the problem with that. That money that you're giving to God, as Gron explained in Matthew chapter 25, is whose money? The master's. It's his money. It's not yours. You're a steward. Every single dime you own or rand you own is his. It's not yours. It's been given to you. You're like, no, no, it's mine. I earned it. Well, what gifts and talents did you have to earn it? Well, okay, he gave me the gifts and talents. I think one of the biggest statements of faith for every single one of us, I told this to our congregation just two weeks ago, the biggest statement of faith every one of us has is that every night we lay down in bed and we close our eyes and we go unconscious. And during those five hours to eight hours to teenagers and their 12 hours, it's the ultimate statement of faith that God is going to take care of everything that you cannot control while your head is on that pillow. Your heart is going to keep beating and your, your lungs are going to keep breathing because he's got everything under control. And you're saying, God, you owe me something? Come on, man. So all of this stuff, how unsearchable are his way, how unfathomable are his judgments. Paul finally throws his hands up in the air. He goes, you know what? Never mind. For from him, through him, to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Bottom line, period. Mic drop off the stage. For from him are all things. There is not one thing on this planet good that you have received that is not from him. Everything is sustained through him, including the breath at night. We don't have problems with that. You're, you should be going, glory, 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 affirm, affirm. I agree with that. The one we have a problem with is all things are to him. No, 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 all things are to me. I've been here long enough to know that your humanity is very similarity, similar to our humanity in Orlando, where we are secular humanists, where we think it's all about us. For from him, through him, and to me are all things. To me be the glory forever. That's not what it says. From him are all things. Through him are all things. To him are all things. Your life was designed to give glory to him in all things, no matter what you do. So if you're doubting what you're supposed to do with your life and you're freaking out, did I make the wrong decision? You might have. You might have. But in that mistake, in that sin, what you do now is, hey God, I want you to have glory even in this. Can you redeem this? Let me give it to you. I come repentant to you, but I want you to have glory in this. And God will. Every single character in the Bible outside of Jesus screwed up at some point and ultimately gave God glory because they repented. In your marriage, God, I want you to have glory. In my kids, I want you to have glory. In my school, in my work, I want you to have glory. In my poverty, in my suffering, in this death, in this sting, I want you to receive glory in everything. Young people, old people, middle people. We're all created with the same purpose. We've got all these angels around the throne. 
different individuals, different beings, different personalities, all saying the same message to the one true God. And there's billions of us all over this planet. We look different. We sound different. We are different. But we've all been created with the one same message. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. If you want happiness and contentment and joy and fulfillment in your life, stop trying to bring glory to yourself and bring glory to the one you are designed to give glory to. If you do that, you will find joy even in suffering. We bow your head, or will you stand with me and bow your heads? I want to pray for you this morning. I want you to know, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, that this church has a very special place in my heart and in the heart of our church. We've never met you, I've never met you, and we consider you a sister church. And it's not just Grand Shell and Kathy. This week it's been <laughs> the deacons, it's been your elders, it's been your house church or your life group leaders. God's got something special for this church, something really special. I was praying for you this morning, and I just I really feel there's this part in the New Testament that used to confuse me where Jesus was proclaimed the light of the world, but when Jesus goes to heaven and he sends his Holy Spirit, all of a sudden it transitions to us being the light of the world. And yesterday when we were running in that howling wind, I saw the lighthouse right in front of our hotel. And I see this lighthouse. I'm like, this is what Harbor City Church is. But you're not bringing attention to yourselves. Your job is to point people to God. I am the light of the world. This is the church's role now. We are to be the light of the world. So when the world sees us, they see him. And maybe our eyes have been reflecting ourselves too much. And maybe we find ourselves in misery and confusion and trying to figure out our lives. And maybe... The confusion lies in the fact that we've been looking in the mirror at ourselves saying, it's about me. If you can flip that to being about God, watch what happens with your life. Watch what happens with this church. Watch what happens with Harbors. I can't wait till next time I come back and see all these new faces because they came to Jesus because you were reflecting Him. When a spirit of evangelism takes over and it's not about me, it's not about me, and I'm not saying this is where you're at. Please don't hear that. But all of a sudden, it's like, you know what? I care about them. People that are like me, people who are unlike me, I care about them because I want to bring God glory with my life. How do I bring God glory? Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray for every man, woman, and child in this church, even the people who are not yet part of this church. Maybe they're visiting this morning. God, no matter what our backgrounds are, some of us grew up in Christian homes and had fine families. Some of us grew up in the most disruptive, brutal, painful homes imaginable. Yet uniquely, you called each one of us to do the same job. To bring you glory. Father, for those who have walked through incredible amounts of pain, for whatever reason, you've entrusted them with something deep, something painful, something that can be flipped and tell a story that others could not tell. And I pray that today we would see through the, through the lens of Your glory, not our own, that You have a purpose in everything, even if it's painful, even if it's dark. And ultimately, we're in a very short season compared to eternity. And so while we're in this little gap, this little space between eternity before and eternity after, as we're walking in this, would You equip us and empower us to bring You glory? Convict us when that's needed. Encourage us when we're down. And bring our heads to look up to you at all times.
And may we, as the church, the bride of Christ, forever declare holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Amen.